Hello and welcome back to the Governors for Schools podcast. It's the second week of our Counting the Cost campaign, which means we're addressing a new theme affecting school communities. Last week, we looked at some of the ways the cost of living crisis is affecting building and estate management in schools, and how governors can help school leaders juggle rising energy costs and maintenance issues. This week, we're looking beyond the school gates to examine how the rising cost of living affects families struggling to cover their children's educational needs. From school uniforms and lunches, to trips and educational experiences, the number of costs associated with sending a child to school can be overwhelming for low-income families. So, what can schools and governors do to mitigate the impact of this growing crisis? To discuss this issue with me today is Kate Anstey from Child Poverty Action Group, a child working a charity working to understand the causes of poverty and how we can work towards meaningful and long-term solutions for children across the UK. Kate, welcome to the show and thank you for taking the time to join us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. Really looking forward to discussing this. Great. Um So just to start us off, really, can you just tell us a little bit more about yourself and um, what Child Poverty Action Group does? Absolutely. So Child Poverty Action Group works on behalf of the more than one in four children across the UK growing up in poverty. And as you said in your intro, we are researching and looking into the sort of causes and consequences of child poverty. And particularly in the work that I do um, through the Cost of School Day project, which I'll talk a bit more about. And we're looking at what those costs um, and what child poverty kind of feels like for children and young people, particularly in the school environment. So I work or I head up a project Um, called the cost of school day that looks at I guess the financial barriers to education that children and young people face and how that feels but also what can be done to remove some of those costs within the school environment. Yeah so you mentioned that the cost of the school day project there which I think has you know never been more vital now as the cost of living crisis is kind of ongoing. So could you just tell us a little bit more about some of the key issues the initiative kind of addresses? Sure. So first of all, I suppose it's useful to understand the scale of child poverty and and what we're talking about here. So at the moment, according to the latest data we have, around eight children in a classroom of 30 live below the poverty line. And I'm sure lots of people listening to this will be aware that in lots of classrooms, it's much higher than that. Now, what's happened in the last year or so with the cost of living crisis is that families with children have been particularly badly affected um, because of certain things that have, you know, certain things that have risen in costs like food and energy. Families with children need more of that. Um, But also lots of the packages of support that have come out haven't really targeted um, families with children. So they've been kind of really badly hit by this current situation. And I suppose what we're seeing in schools is that Um, those costs that are associated with school it's becoming more and more difficult for families to meet those costs and I think I will say that school costs have always been an issue you know this is this this hasn't come around recently but actually what we're hearing from families is that some of those parents who previously could manage some of those costs um, are actually unable to meet them now and, and families are struggling more and more and we're seeing it from the side of teachers and head teachers as well seeing actually we're seeing in our classrooms, the impact of poverty and the impact of cost of living crisis um, affecting many more of our families than, than maybe they kind of previously saw. And also, I suppose, maybe often it's it's more hidden and it's not necessarily obvious who those families are. So it's becoming sort of also kind of increasingly difficult for schools and um, with more families being affected. Mm-hmm. So in terms of let's dig down a little bit into, into the costs that you mentioned. So what are 
the kind of the key costs that are affecting parents, carers and families, particularly when it comes to supporting young people's education? Yeah, so in terms of the research we carry out, we have spoken to around 12,000 pupils across the UK about school costs and over 2,000 parents and carers. And what has come through very strongly, particularly when we were sort of analysing um, the research in England, in English schools, is that there were sort of four main areas that were causing, or kind of common themes that were causing um, big challenges for families. So the first one of those, and some of these won't be surprising, but The first one is kind of school uniform um, and material items, uh, you know, material possessions that children need for school. Now, when we've spoken to kids and families about this, there it it kind of it comes through that actually there are many sort of school policies that exist, uniform policies that exist that place big requirements on families to have, uh, you know, a long list of compulsory items, certain like branded items, um, you know, things extra things like. logos on shorts etc and all of these things kind of add up for families and mean that actually uniform is this really kind of huge cost and particularly if you have more than one child it's kind of a huge financial outlay for families so that's kind of number one in terms of uh, big costs the second one we hear a lot about is school food Um, and there are many many issues around kind of the school food system so everything from (coughs) excuse me from those uh, families who Uh, and not eligible for free school meals, feeling like the the cost of food is too much. Um, Children who are eligible for free school meals, actually sometimes they've told us that their experience around school food can be stigmatizing, it can make them feel different. Um, Other other things that we hear about is increasing amounts of dinner money debt that families are facing and and sort of problems around how that's dealt with in schools. And we hear from children and young people about the portion sizes. So I suppose school food is a really complex issue, but it comes up and it has come up in every single school that we've worked in as being kind of a challenge for lower income families. And because of those issues, um, we see lots of children kind of missing out on food and not getting what they need at lunchtime. The third area that we hear a lot about is is curriculum and learning. So what I mean by that is the kind of costs associated with um, subjects at school and learning. And actually children are telling us that if you don't have money, it's very difficult to kind of fully participate in in everything that school life has to offer. So, you know, if you haven't bought the right calculator or you haven't got the right textbook or if you haven't got the sort of materials for art and design, um, then actually you can't take part in the way that everybody else can. And what we heard from particularly from secondary school pupils is that they were basing subject choices on the costs associated with those subjects so actually they were avoiding things like music or food tech because they knew that it came with a cost and I think you can kind of start to see how children's kind of pathways through schools can be very affected by these costs that they're facing and the impact of that. I suppose the fourth um, challenge that we hear a lot about, and we've summarised this as kind of school fun. So all of those things that are part of school life that lots of children look forward to and bring a kind of sense of joy. So things like the nativity play or um, charity days, fundraising days, uh, your school fair, your book fairs, etc. These are all things that, you know, help to add enjoyment, extra enjoyment to school. But actually, if you don't have much money, then it's really, really difficult to look forward to those occasions and you can often really feel left out. Um, there was one child just talking about even a cake sale, saying that they couldn't uh, afford a cake like their friends and, and one of their friends had to buy one for them. And it was that that feeling of not feeling included in, in the school environment. So I say those four are the kind of key themes that have come through from schools in England. Yeah, it's so much when you kind of lay it out like that, isn't it? Um, so 
this might be slightly more difficult to answer in terms of, you know, the cost of living crisis is fairly recent or it's sort of building, you know, in the fairly recent months. But can you kind of speak a little bit about the ways in which sort of the current crisis, acknowledging that it's been sort of issues surrounding the cost of, of the school day have been ongoing for a while, but how the cost of living crisis affected the child poverty action groups work and how, how have things changed in the schools over the, over the past year or so? Sure, yeah. I would say that um, I kind of mentioned we're hearing from families more and more that they're kind of struggling with these costs. Um, Alongside that, uh, we've been working with a coalition of uh, organisations, unions, etc., who represent governors, head teachers, teachers, other school staff. Um, And we've been kind of talking to them about what they're seeing in schools. And it's really clear from their perspective that the challenge is getting much worse um, in terms of that kind of deepening child poverty, seeing more of it in their school. Um, I guess schools also having less capacity to sort of manage and less funding to kind of manage um, and support families. So it is a kind of challenge for everybody. It kind of affects every part of school life. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it just on very kind of practical, simple levels, you know, we've spoken to young people who've told us actually we've seen the cost of our school food go up. Um, You know, we we used to be able to buy this much for this amount and now we can't. So it's kind of playing out um, in lots of different ways. But I think the big problem or the big thing we're seeing is that as these costs become less manageable for families, This means children are less able to access their full education. And and actually what the coalition that we've been working with is saying is that they're seeing children kind of falling behind on learning um, as a result of the sort of poverty um, that they're experiencing. So this is not something that should be ignored. This is a kind of huge thing that we do need to address and that like, yeah, the cost of living crisis is sort of contributing to those educational disparities. Mm. So in terms of kind of mitigating these disparities, what kind of of support organisations or initiatives or grants can you kind of point parents, carers and schools towards for for mitigating these these school-related costs? So the first thing I would say that's come through in our research is that often parents don't know exactly what support is on offer. So we'll speak to the school and they'll say we provide all these subsidies, um, but actually that information isn't necessarily getting through to parents. So I would say the first point of call is just make sure that you are speaking to your school and understanding what's on offer because they may be able to help with trips or uniform um, and you don't want to miss out on that support. I would also say it's really important for families to check whether they are eligible for free school meals. Again, we know there's quite a large percentage or there's a percentage of families who actually um, are missing out on free school meals because they're not aware that they're eligible for it. Um, So again, you can speak to your school about this. They can help you to fill out a registration form or check your eligibility. Um, And again, that's something that if you are eligible for free school meals, that can save families around £440 a year. Mm big difference. Um, Another thing to be aware of for families and schools is that the new uniform bill has come in. So this is schools now have a kind of legal obligation from government to prioritise affordability um, in their uniform policies. And I think that is hopefully sort of being implemented and being rolled out in schools. But parents, any parents who are listening to this, they really can sort of call they can speak to their school about this and make sure their school understands that they have this legal obligation to bring down the costs and you know as I mentioned the uniform costs are some of the biggest 
Um, in addition to that, in some local authorities, there are sort of local authority grants to support families with uniforms. So again, make sure you're checking your um, local authority website. They might also help with uh, kind of trips as well. And then in addition to that, there's kind of, there'll be lots of kind of local charities and support around. So, you know, there's a number of charities out there that support with kind of school clothing and shoes, etc. Um, so yeah, I'd say kind of look out for localized support. But yeah, those are some of the sort of big mm. bits of help that are on offer. Yeah, it's helpful to think for, to kind of highlight those um, initiatives that are available to parents. Um, but kind of on the school side, um, obviously, to some extent, the crisis operates like on this structural level that presents really significant challenges to schools looking to tackle kind of educational inequities, inequities. Um, but having said this, are there any kind of simple policy changes schools can implement to minimize spending on, you know, all these various different expenses, schools, mills, trips, etc., that might present some kind of quick wins, I suppose? Yes. So I would really encourage schools uh, sort of if to go out and speak to families and, and children about the costs and, and sort of understand at their in their local context kind of what local context, sorry, what's um, providing the most challenges for families. But there are definitely things that we would encourage all schools to think about um, and kind of check they're doing. So, you know, to start off thinking about uniform um, within the new guidance, uh, it really encourages or suggests that every school should have pre-loved uniform or secondhand uniform provision on offer. So, you know, schools really, if they're not doing that already, they should be really thinking about how that, they can put that in place. We actually developed a resource with the Children's Society and Children Northeast um, that really supports schools with setting up those pre, that pre-loved provision in a really sort of dignified and compassionate way. So I'd recommend kind of looking out for those school uniform guides um, to help with that. On free school meals, I mentioned there are lots of families who um, you know aren't are eligible but not currently registered, and so. We would encourage schools to really think about their registration process. You know, are, are you making sure families are filling out a form um, when they first come to your school? Are there are kind of incentives around that that you can use. Um, because, again, if you get families signed up to free school meals who are eligible, that has a knock on effect in terms of pupil premium funding. And of course, if you get sort of your full allocation of pupil premium funding, you can use that to support things like breakfast clubs, um, etc., that are helpful for families as well. In terms of other things, we have, um, we've created a sort of calendar called the Cost of School Day calendar, and that goes through every month, month by month, all of the kind of pinch points or things that come up and might cause families problems. So everything from those, you know, your kind of Christmas jumper day or World Book Day um, or other sort of days in the year that might create a problem. And in that calendar, we've given lots of kind of alternative ideas and examples um, of what families can do. So just to give more examples, um, we know some schools on World Book Day, rather than asking children to kind of dress up um, and bring in money, which can be a real challenge for families, um, we asked them to kind of, uh, they, sorry, they're, they're thinking about ways they can focus more on the reading. So we had one school that set up um, some bell tents in their playground and filled them with books um, and invited children and parents to come in and listen to people, sort of special guests reading. So it was really kind of putting the focus back on the purpose of the day rather than those elements of uh, World Book Day that kind of sometimes can increase costs for families. Um, other things that, that you can think about is just making sure you're looking at your, like, 
thoroughly at your curriculum and understanding where some of those costs might lie or where children are paying for resources and tools um, and just make sure that they're, you know, just think about how you can reduce some of those costs um, or offer subsidies. Um, but yeah, I would say there are lots and lots of examples in our resources about things that schools are doing. Um, we had another school who, instead of a um, charity day, did a kind of, uh, instead of a dress-up day, sorry, did like a kind of crazy hair day or odd sock day. So it might seem like small things, but actually when you kind of piece it all together, they do make a big difference for the way that children feel about school and how much they feel included. Um, and it also brings down the costs for families. Yeah, some great ideas there. And these these resources are available on your, your website, aren't they? Yes. So yes. On, if you go to the TPAG cost of the school day and then there's a resources page where all of this is included. Great. Um, so I guess quite a complex way that the cost of living crisis is, is really affecting children from low income households is related to kind of stigma surrounding poverty and social welfare. So um, how can schools and governors kind of work to minimise the potential for kind of stigmatising behaviour in schools? So one of the first things I would say is really important, and this kind of came through in our project, is about kind of staff awareness and understanding of mm -hmm. poverty. Um, we kind of spoke to schools before we started the project and actually they felt often they felt like they were doing all they could to support families. And then through the process of working with us, we've kind of uncovered more policies and practices that they could put in place. So I think um, school staff are really kind of good at knowing their um, their cohort, their their school but actually school staff sort of attending training on poverty specifically just to really kind of ensure they understand kind of the scale of poverty the impact it has on children and, and really practically what they can do about it in their school so I'd say kind of accessing training even especially kind of governors accessing that training as well um, just to ensure there's not kind of a disconnect between what governors think is sort of happening in the school and, and the reality of it so really sort of push that um, other, way, other things that schools can do around stigma, I think, is really thinking about the language and communication that they put out to families and children. So in all of the schools that we've worked with, um, we've, we've actually sort of advised them or given them kind of templates around the types of language um, they can use in any kind of correspondence with families just to make sure that that correspondence is really kind of compassionate um, and make sure that sort of anything on offer is universal and isn't just targeted at particular families using particular language that might put them off. Um, so again, I think that's something to really think about on the stigma um, front. And then I guess this sort of more broadly when schools are thinking about their policies and practices, kind of looking at them through a poverty sensitive lens. So have you thought about how that might be experienced for a child facing poverty. And an example of this is, you know, how schools might administer free school meals, which I kind of touched on earlier. But I think lots of schools think they've kind of removed the stigma by having kind of cashless systems at lunch. But actually, when you talk to children and young people, they can still distinguish which of their peers are on free school meals and which aren't um, simply by things like those certain children aren't able to uh, access the same menu or opportunity or food as others or um, at the kind of counter school staff or kitchen staff might kind of mention oh you haven't you, you know you haven't got enough money for that your allocation doesn't stretch that far your free school meals allocation so there are kind of these little ways in which children and young people pick up on things um, so I think it's for the school to really kind of understand and, and think about their policies and practices from that lens and, and as I said kind of talk to children and young people and, um, and parents about their experiences. Um, 
but yeah, as I say, also, again, lots more <laughs> examples in our resources of kind of particularly, I think, around the stuff I was saying on school fun. Um, that is where we see a lot of kind of stigma and, and feeling not included in things. So I think that's a particular area where schools um, by like looking into those resources might be able to pick up on some ways they can change those practices. Yeah, great. That's all really helpful. Um, so just to kind of wrap up um, the final question, are there any questions you would kind of encourage governors to raise during board meetings to ensure schools are doing everything, everything they can to support pupils from lower income households? Yeah, there are there are lots of questions, I think. Um, and actually, I would say at the beginning of this, we devised a toolkit with the National Governance Association um, that is on their website, um, sort of a toolkit on poverty. And it includes lots of kind of questions that um, for governors to have a think about and to ask their boards. But I suppose a couple of kind of headline ones might be for the board to really question whether they um, kind of know exactly how much it costs for families to fully participate in school life? Have they kind of looked across the whole of the school experience and kind of carried out that exercise of understanding kind of what costs money at our school, um, what are families paying for? And having done that exercise, I suppose, do they believe that that's affordable? Is it accessible? Can they sort of check that with families? Um, and if not, where are the areas where you could bring those costs down significantly so I think the first thing is kind of getting a picture of what school your school actually costs um, and working from there um, another thing is just really monitoring the data and, and asking those questions around are we collecting data on which students are taking part in what activities so for example if you're running after school clubs and breakfast clubs are there particular children that time and time again aren't accessing those and might it be that kind of cost is a barrier to them? So I think monitoring data is really important. Um, I've touched on this a few times, but do you have in your school kind of opportunities for parents and pupils to feed in around school costs? Do you have that sort of uh, those opportunities for dialogue to understand this issue? Um, and then a couple of other things just to know, I would say, like, does your school have a nominated person um, that, that parents can come and speak to if they are having a challenge around costs. One of the things that came through in the research is actually that parents feel very reluctant or nervous about sharing information or disclosing financial information with their schools. So how are you kind of setting your school up in a way that it's really easy for, for families to come and speak to somebody um, if they are struggling? Um, so those are a few things. But as I say, if you head to that toolkit on the NGA uh, website, that gives a lot more sort of questions to work through around this topic. Yeah, great. We'll put the um, the link to that in the show notes so people can access it, as well as the Child Poverty Action Group website. Um, is there, are there any other kind of resources or, or channels through which people can, can find you? So in terms of other resources, we, we produced a really helpful toolkit with the National Education Union and Children Northeast called, the, called Turning the Page on Poverty. And I would say that's a really useful kind of starting point for schools um, and governors who are kind of beginning their journey on this and wanting to understand a bit more about the data but also a bit more about what they can do um, what questions they should be asking so that's another one to kind of look out for um, and yeah we will be continuing as child poverty action group will be continuing to kind of research and talk to children and young people and families about their experience of school and kind of understand how the picture is changing um, and what that might mean for families. So, yeah, I would say kind of keep an eye on us. And we are also on Twitter um, at CPAG UK, but I, I would check that. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, there's, there'll be lots of information there about kind of briefings and things that we're putting out as well. 
Great. Fab, we'll put the handle in the show notes too. Um, so yeah, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today, Kate. We, we really appreciate your insights and I'm sure listeners will find all of this really useful, whether or not they're governors. So yeah. And I think what I would say as a final piece is there is, of course, it's not on schools to kind of resolve or eradicate child poverty. Mm. Uh, you know, that is for governments to work on but there is so much our work has shown there is so much that can be done within the school setting to mitigate some of the effects and, and bring down those costs and kind of take pressures off families so um yeah anyone in their classroom can make a difference to children and young people's lives yeah indeed that's that's i think that's a really good um note to end on so i'll just finish up by um first of all Extending our thanks to Alan and Overy for generously sponsoring our campaign and making podcasts like this possible. Um, to discover more about counting the cost, please visit our website at governorsforschools.org.uk and head to our campaign webpage. Um, there you can catch up on our latest resources, which we'll be releasing throughout the campaign. And please do remember to subscribe to our podcast and share our campaign materials with your friends and colleagues. So bye for now and tune in next week when we'll be chatting about pupil development and enrichment during the cost of living crisis. Thank you.